0: means you can travel worry free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: So I'm here with Dave Pahanish and we're going to talk about the one that got away.
2: Yep. Great song. In my opinion, You know, I love it. I should say. I
1: love it. People <laughs> love it. I, th- I think
2: uh... there was a synergy to it from the uh, from the moment I wrote it, before it was even finished. This is from 1996, this tune. And at that time, I was hell and gone from Nashville. I hadn't even thought about moving to Nashville. I was just living in Pennsylvania, traveling around the region, regionally doing colleges, coffee houses, whatever I could find. But this particular time, I was in a some small town in the middle of nowhere. I can't remember where it was. It was about three hours before the gig started. And uh, pulled into town, there was a diner in town with a big line around the corner. It turned out that everybody was just taking turns looking through the window at Richard Gere, because he was in town filming a movie, just watching him have lunch. I don't know how that image stuck with me, but I kind of like, oh, okay. And I sat down next to these railroad tracks. I broke out my guitar, just like this and didn't realize that the night before I had my high E string tuned down to a D, which is normally, it's in standard key, it's up to an E, but it was tuned down, I was doing some slide or something like that, and I didn't put it back, so I started playing as if it wasn't, and, uh, and it had like, oh, let's hit a couple wrong notes that were like, why is it not doing what it usually is? And I found that, it became the whole, like, oh, that's cool, I had to write a song around that little because it's hard to get that, when it's tuned to standard key, it's hard to find that so naturally. So and I just started spitting out words here and there. And before I knew it, it sounded like a song about uh, someone that just kind of uh, hit the big time after living in a small town for a long time. And I had some experience with that. Uh, my, my ex-wife, I was married for 17 years, my ex-wife uh, aspired to be an actress and came from a really small town, Western Pennsylvania. So all the ups and downs, all the uh, kind of the sense of being not humiliated, but always feeling like you were destined for something more, but no one quite, you were the only one that was believing it. So I I wrote this through the eyes of female perspective. And uh, back then, I really wasn't writing songs thinking someone else would record them or thinking that at that time, I was just a singer songwriter looking for a record deal, just playing stuff that, that I wrote that I would do like troubadour. And uh but this one had a good uh good something going on to it, and I loved I loved the vibe of it so much and I kind of had the first verse honed in and a little bit of the second verse and most of the chorus but the melody was so intriguing to me that I decided to play it that night at this show anyways. And I played a lot of songs and, and you know people were digging it but at the end of the night I was like oh what was that one song he played that one And most of the song was me mumbling, you know, just (laughs) trying to figure out. Because sometimes you you get in front of a live audience and the energy is there. And when you're on the spot, the words just fall out. So I probably picked up a couple extra lyrics just from mumbling in front of people. But the vibe was so cool that, you know, I could tell right off the bat, it it seemed to be a special song. And this is, like I said, back in 1996. And probably every gig after that had played this tune. I finished it. And I was working on a record at that time with the guy that was producing my records and His name's Joe West. He was from Pennsylvania. And uh, we ended up years later moving to Nashville together and kind of working as a collaborative team. So a lot of the stuff I was writing, whether I wrote it alone or, or with him, he would produce it and, and be kind of the mirror for me. Say, what does this mean? And this could be better. But anyways, he was the producer on this one. And uh, we ended up recording it for this, uh, for a record I did back in 96 called Shine. So it's been one of my favorite songs, but, uh, so fast forward years later, I moved to Nashville and start, you know, getting into the Nashville, got a publishing deal. This is like 13 years ago now. Part of my schedule A was this tune and my publisher picked it out of the, uh, out of the batch. And my publisher at that time were a guy named Colwright started a new company with, uh, Hilary Lindsay, if you know who that is. She's a uh-huh. famous songwriter, just renowned. And Dallas Davidson. But at that time, they were they just had a few hits. Dallas hadn't had a hit at all. He was just, you know, but they, uh, he just, honky-tonk, Donk was his first big break. So he was seeing some money from that, and he immediately invested into this publishing company, and they signed me.
1: And Schedule A is what? For oh, publishing? I'm sorry.
2: Schedule A is uh, what you come in with. If you sign a publishing deal, you know, we'd like to have the stuff that you already have recorded and uh, the songs you've already written in case there's something there we want to pitch, you know, so I came in with about maybe 200 songs,
1: 200 songs on your schedule. A. In this
2: was my first pub deal. Yeah. um, Because, you know, I spent about, before I got to Nashville since uh, I'd been writing since 1989, 1990. And, uh, but there were, as far as um, there were a lot of songs that were, yeah, you know, I may have put them on a list or something, but they they were really interested in the in the stuff that was already recorded and and uh, I had stuff whether it was on me on a four track or me playing acoustic guitar and then I'd put out about four albums before I moved to Nashville. So, so
1: everything that was on those four albums is on your schedule A. Yeah. And out of all those songs, they picked this one.
2: Well, or among, was one and, a, among one, others. Was one of the many that, uh, but this one seemed to catch their eye. I remember Hillary, Hillary commenting on one of the lines and. You know, it was kind of a, I played it the night I got signed to this pub company, and uh, and again, they pointed out that tune, and uh, I guess I started seeing success after about the first first year, kind of learned the Nashville ropes, doing uh, how to do, you know, demo sessions or whatever, and just what's expected of a pub deal, and it was a great thing, but uh, I had, I think the, the first hit that I had was by a guy named Jimmy Wayne, and uh, he re- he ended up recording about six tunes. That I wrote, me, Joe West, and a guy named Tim Johnson put this, this other tune together and Jimmy recorded it. We co produced it and it, it was like foot in the door. But after that happened, Jimmy put out another one. It was another single, another one of my tunes called I Will. I think then after that, it was, uh, Without You, if I'm not mistaken. And then McGraw, uh, my publisher gave Tim McGraw about six tunes of mine. I guess Tim McGraw took a liking to the stuff I was doing and said, all right, you made he's going away for the weekend. He asked for about six or seven songs of mine that, that we thought that he would do. He ended up cutting two of them. One of them was a song called Right Back At You that was a single for him. And uh, it ended up dying like mid-30s or something like that for many reasons. But the other one was this song called The One That Got Away. So now to, to get to the recording part of it, which some interesting stories. Recorded it back in '97, and uh, the demo version of it—I called it demo, but it was an album cut for me. It just—it just had some mojo to it. And it was just a lot of a lot of cool. Uh, you know, did the guitar to kind of a drum loop. My producer put in, left the click track in. Going, <coughs> it just has a sound to it, and uh, I left him alone with the. Uh, we cut the drums and the bass. And uh, acoustic guitar and the vocal. And uh, came back a couple days later. He's like, oh, check this out. And he, he put in some backwards uh, backwards guitars and some very interesting stuff. Very creative stuff. And beyond the guitars, at the beginning of it, he put in some... He started mumbling words. And he flipped them around so it was backwards. So there's some back-masking uh, lyrics. The stuff he was saying was stuff like this is the section of the song we're going to, he was experimenting. We're going to flip around and make it backwards and and make it just sound cool in the song. And he's saying this literally, and then he, just to see how it sounded, he flipped it around and it sounded so cool for whatever reason. And then so when, when McGraw and the gang got the demo, they were recording the record. They, they called our producer, or they called my publisher and said that Tim McGraw's producer wants to know, they want it to sound exactly like the version you gave them so they want to know what was being said and the back masking so they could flip it around so it sounds the exact same way my publisher's the middleman on this So uh, joe my my producer is talking to him saying well tell him that it it says that i'm just saying this is the part of the song where we flip it around and so all that stuff i just said so then cole publisher goes back to them tells him that it comes back again. He's like, well, they know it's the part of the song that it's flipped around. Where, but what are you actually saying? It's like it took a while to get it straight. They could not understand that that was the actual what we were saying. Was it so? As joke, I finally said, Tell them that we quoted the Robert Frost poem where there were two paths in the wood. I took the one less trodden, and that made all the difference." And once we gave them that response, they were. They took that. I don't That's know great. that they actually... <laughs> but you listen to his recording, and, and if you A-B it to the original one, it's, p- it's pretty close. But uh, I think they wanted more substance than just, this is the part of the song where it's going to sound cool because we flipped the lyrics backwards, but Robert Frost will make anything better, right? <laughs>
1: so this is a very autobiographical song.
2: Not really about me, just uh, experiences I've had with From other people. From
1: sort of <clears throat> Western... Pennsylvania yeah. and West Virginia I've heard you say it was in West Virginia and I I've heard you say your your ex-wife came from a smaller uh, came town from a, kind of a small mining town in western so <laughs> I think you so. came from a small town yeah and yeah, the yeah. town in West Virginia might have been a small town well Did that the come? West
2: Virginia thing is uh, I was playing a gig in uh where was that I think it was Wheeling West Virginia and uh and uh the club was called Jabos and it was a small club with a band I had and and next door was the hangout for all the high school kids they were all hanging out at this pizza place no one was ordering pizza they were just all parked in their cars and just talking this and that so that's kind of where i got the idea about the the pizza hut parking lot and,
1: and that kind of pizza place is sort of everywhere oh in totally the town your yeah. ex-wife grew in the town you grew up in and Every, the, when, when i was wheeling
2: i've and, been to i've went to a couple of high schools and you know, I've, I never. I lived in a lot of small towns. Uh, growing up, I was in uh, Ohio. I lived for a while. I lived in New York, upstate New York. I lived in Jersey, and then in Pennsylvania. And but all the small towns are essentially the same, <laughs> at least out there. So I had a lot of a uh, lot of research. And, and so
1: this is about coming from a small town.
2: Coming from a small town, and someone goes away and uh, kind of gets famous or whatever, and comes back to that small town and just... They're the one that got away. <laughs> not that it's all about getting out of a small town, but if you're in a small town and there's a part of you that believes that there's you were destined for something more, it could can, can be quite a drag to be, you know, dealing with the small town politics and all that stuff and playing in the same old bars and, you know, not not a lot of positive feedback. But now it's like, you know, if you just accepted it's a a great place to live great place to grow up you know (laughs) sometimes you got to go out there and get the get the crown before you come back and realize what you had you know it was really good you know so then you leave the crown behind just put it on the on the shelf (laughs) i think that's all i can think about for that uh that tune but mcgraw recorded it. it was never a hit it was, I wish it was, hopefully uh, I could hear it on the radio, but it's a little bit different from the standard country songs that are out there. It breaks a lot of the uh, Nashville songwriting rules. I rhyme a word with the same word. You know, a little bit, I would say cryptic, but it seems like people get the message. It's universal enough that people kind of, but it's a good, uh, good feeling song. And I think there's a lot of people out there that connect with it and, uh. At least that's what it feels like when I play it. They don't connect with the words; they certainly connect with the melody, and uh, it's a, it's one of my most as a as a songwriter. People that know me uh, usually know that, or point out that tune is one of their favorites. So,
1: you want to play it? Or?
2: Yes, I'd love to. Mm-hmm.
0: Got your face in your separate eyes. If you love the baby locked on you, everybody wants a piece of you. It's alright. Now the phone is ringing, your cousin's singing at the local bar. And everybody wants to be a star, just like you are. You put your face in the gutter for years. Kept your eyes on the road. You felt you were meant for more, baby. Now you know. Cause everybody wants a glimpse of the one that got away. Everybody wants to see you. Everybody wants to be you too. It's funny how they put you down. But now they dig you wrong. Everybody loves you now, baby. You're the one that got away. Yeah. You were raised in the town where the kids hang around at the Pizza Hut parking lot, and everybody talks a lot. No one likes to do no And all the Cubs Sky Theatres At the local theaters Said you couldn't sing a song with Will Told them all to go to hell You went out on your own You got a headshot Push it to Sell yourself to the world Take your scars up Under your dress Like an American girl Everybody wants a glimpse of the one that got away Everybody wants to see you And all the girls want to be you too It's funny how they put you down But now they think you're over there And everybody loves you now Eyes on the road you felt you were bent for more Maybe don't you know oh, oh, that we've always known everybody wants a glimpse of the one that got away and everybody wants to see you yeah. and they all want to be you
2: it's
0: funny how they put you down but now that they think you're all that. Everybody wants you now that you're the one that got away
1: Uh, so there's a line in there where you say like an american girl yeah. and online american girl is often capitalized as if it's a reference to the tom petty song well no not really no
2: good uh, I, I, but i, I remember <laughs> thinking that when i wrote it that uh that it also had some uh because of his because of that song it, it became kind of a something people would kind of grasp onto a little bit more.
1: In the aftermath, after you wrote it, yeah.
2: you recognized the association. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, I, that I just think... that girl was from Sarasota, uh,
1: Florida. Yeah. And this girl is from western Pennsylvania. Yeah, really. She West could be Virginia, from Ohio. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, she could be but, from anywhere?
2: Yeah, I, I was writing it more universally. It was on all... I, I put bits and pieces of my own experience and into, you know, things I'd seen. And... uh So it wasn't just specifically about one person. It was just, I made it very universal. A composite. But I think of some of the the stuff that that young ladies got to go out. I lived in Hollywood for a while. You know, all the soul-sucking sacrifices and, you know, demeaning things that sometimes people either do or don't put up with on their rise to, you know, to fame or for the sake of trying to make a living in the business, you know, especially women.